Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Once I played a penny who just couldn't stop the beat. Yes, with roller skates on her feet. Cause it's recently to see Welcome to Breaking Broadway. I am so honored and thankful for my guest today. He is one of the most sought-after directors on Broadway, Alex Timbers. I think he has three Broadway shows on right now. That's right. Yes, yeah. Moulin Rouge, Beetlejuice, and American Utopia. I first fell in love with Alex Timbers' work <laughs> when I saw Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. He wrote and directed it, and I was like... Who made this? I want to crawl into their brain. And I have secreted working with him ever since then. I never read the book, The Secret, but I knew that it was like just putting it out there. And so I put it out there. And then I don't know how many years later, I finally got to work with him on Beetlejuice. Hi, Alex. It's so exciting to be here, Carrie. Thank you. I am so excited to... Um, get to talk with you because I don't even know how you got started in this business. I'm excited to talk. Any chance I have to talk oh. with you, I'm excited. <laughs> so how did you get your start? In school or? Oh, that's, you know, so I grew up in New York City mm -hmm. and uh, I saw some theater when I was a kid and we would always do, you know, at our, our, I went to an all boys school in the city and we'd always do like our one, one uh, like uh, time of year we would do like a play uh -huh. together. Um, and uh, it was sort of, you know, that was my experience with theater. I had a little public access TV show. I was sort of interested <laughs> in the arts. Like yeah. you made your own public access TV? Yeah, we had a sketch comedy show. It's Channel 69 on Manhattan Neighborhood Network. Oh we were at, right after Dyke TV. <laughs> and it was a bunch of like 12 and 13-year-old kids with camcorders. Wow. And uh, we had a segment every week called, uh, for example, called, this gives you a sense of the tone of the thing, called Pyro Time, where we would blow something up 
and then uh, <laughs> and then replay the thing being blown up from some fireworks we get in Chinatown. Oh my gosh. And key over at uh, Pyro Time and play Carmina Burana. <laughs> so it was like it was like, it was very uh, irreverent. Um, and uh, and but it wasn't really until college that I started to get into th- to theater theater. Oh, yeah. But you did do plays in high school. Yeah. So I played. <laughs> I, I acted and I played many great parts. I played uh, uh, the Angel Gabriel in the Nativity play. I played a penguin in oh. first grade. I played uh, Charles Dickens and oh. I played many of the female roles in uh, elementary school because you know uh, there weren't females to play those roles. So I played. Uh, one of my great turns was Madame Jardin, Le Bourgeois Gentilhomme, a Moliere play. Wow. Yeah, I can't thank you. you were doing that. That was in high school or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, doing farce in high school. Yeah. Impressive. Uh, no, elementary school. This was like fifth grade. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a very fancy school. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so then what happened in college? So, uh, so I went with certain ambitions about like, you know, like uh, continuing to make little shorts and comedy sketches and stuff on film. But the uh, school had uh, basically like all, the, had like locked up all the, you had to take all these courses in order to get access to the equipment. It was a little bit of a bait and switch mm-hmm. to come to the school. And uh, and so I was like, what well, school was it? it was Yale. Yeah, oh, I was like, I know how to do, I, like, I was <laughs> like, I know how to do these things. Instead, I want to make things like from day one. So I started doing improv and sketch comedy. And I got really into the mechanics of comedy. And so I was like, you know, reading a lot about it. I was like, I want to direct a farce. Not because I wanted to direct theater, but because I wanted to, you know, the, you know, comedic timing and rhythms and like physical comedy. And so I wanted to explore that more. So I directed a play by Peter Schaffer that's really funny called Black Comedy. And I liked that. And I loved working with the actors. And it was very collaborative. And so the next year I directed Lend Me a Tenor by Ken Ludwig. And then I was like... Oh, this is, this is, I, I kind of, so I started doing more uh, plays. I did plays and I did ended up running Did you originally co- think you wanted to be a performer since you were taking all that comedy? Uh, I did. I did want to be a, perf- I thought I did. I did the, the Marriage of Bet and Boo my freshman year and I played Boo. I was very excited to be wow, playing that's Boo. That's a big deal for yeah. your first year in college. Thank you. Well, it was the <laughs> freshman show, so they only really could choose <laughs> okay. freshmen. So, you know, it wasn't too much of a reach. But, uh, but I remember during that thinking, like, I was watching my performance outside it, you know, like giving myself, critiquing myself and thinking like, oh, this is probably not uh, the the best, like, uh, attitude a performer should have. And then it got even worse, you know, when, when I was doing improv, because we do all these tours. And so, we, we, you know, when we were doing it a lot, you could sort of like... Uh, uh, sort of be in the moment, but I found myself a lot like adjudicating my own comedy, and I was like, "This is very bad as an improv performer to be like judging yourself while you're doing it." So I was like, "I'm. I think I might be on the wrong side of the footlights." I had kind of a sense, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was the thing that surprised me most about working with you was how funny you were and how much stuff oh, you sweet. even like gave to Alex Brightman, you know, and just be like, "What?" Or or me, like, "What if you do this differently?" And um, I don't know. Yeah, I always thought of you as more of this like intellectual director, but you're so funny, and and now I understand why it comes from improv. Oh, the, yeah. Well, you know, I created so I created this like company with that uh, with a bunch of friends um, in uh, college that I think can explain a lot about the kind of like you know heady mm-hmm. comedy kind of thing because I had taken a class in experimental theater in college uh, by this amazing, amazing professor. And he brought in like tapes of the Worcester group 
and uh, you know Richard Maxwell and like all these like amazing uh, artists and we would watch it on this tiny little TV and I misunderstood what I was watching. I, it would seem very self-serious and uh, and uh, and sort of navel gazing. And so I, I didn't realize that any of this work had any sense of humor about itself. So we created, uh, my friends and I created uh, a sort of a, a company called Le Frere Corbusier that was uh, created an experimental, none of us were dancers, experimental <laughs> dance piece exploring the history of math. It was called Un pièce de mouvement historique avec la géométrie. And we played like, uh, you know, Corbusier, we played like uh, Galileo, uh, Thomas Jefferson was featured in it. It was all Steve Reich, Philip Glass music. It was what we imagined like the BAM next wave shows were <laughs> in 84. And you received a course packet before it started because you would never understand it. So there was a reading period that was longer than the piece itself before the piece began where you would look at this course. It had an outline of here's what's going on, footnotes, it had primary sources, and then it had pa blank pages at the back where you could take your own notes while watching it. It was like... <laughs> A total like academic, uh, like just it was ridiculous, and at the same time, uh, you know, uh, sort of celebrating academia. Yeah. So, so that was kind of that that high low uh, kind of collision was always really interesting to me. The idea of like uh, of of where. Yeah, of, of, of like this kind of schoolhouse rock approach oh, to yeah. like to history and experimental theater, how you make stuff that's that uh, how you make things really feel accessible and fun. And uh, then, of course, I was gutted to find that when I came to New York and I actually saw this stuff myself. Oh, this stuff has really has a great sense of humor about itself. Uh, I mean, I was thrilled because that, that meant I, I myself had more access to the, the work. <laughs> but uh, but I didn't realize that, like, you know, what we were sort of making fun of was very uh, self-aware. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So what was your first job here? My first job was um, interning at Manhattan Theater Club. I was Lynn Meadows' intern. Oh. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and that was a great way to, you know, it's something I recommend for any, you know, young person interested in theaters, even if you're not interested in, like, a specific aspect of, like, what an, in, you know, like, uh, you know, to t take a, a job in general management if you're interested in marketing or to take a, you know, just any van way you yeah. get to see the industry with some perspective. So so being in the artistic director office of someone as amazing as Lynn Maddow and just getting to sort of watch her work a little peripherally and get to, you know, survey the scene and you get free tickets to shows as interns and things like that uh, was just this amazing vantage point in which to say, okay, like, what, what, what? How could I participate in this, you know? Yeah, that's really good advice. And <clears throat> while we're on that subject, since this is for young artists, mm -hmm. we can talk about Williamstown. Because yes. Because we, we kind of met there. Yeah. We were there at the same time. That's right. And that, they have a great program for people just starting out. That's right. I think there's like, you know, it depends on like the, the, the thing you are. Like, so if you're, you're a performer, there are things you can do. You can audition, which is great. But how do you like sort of get in the, you know, what are the things that people can see on your resume as you're building a resume that says, uh, this is, a, you know, I've done a couple like legitimate things where other people have said, oh, this person's like, uh, accomplished you yes. know great things and so 
there, there are these things like uh, theater festivals um, that are, or like writers groups or things like that, that you can participate in the readings or development of things that are really helpful things just to start building a foundation in your resume and start meeting other people. And, and, and I'm a huge advocate of Williamstown Theater Festival, and there are many tiers. So there's, you can be an apprentice, or you can be a this, or you can be a that there. Um, but it's just a great way to, to meet a lot of fellow performers, to meet a lot of young directors and designers, and to have access to just see and participate in lots of work, whether it be a one-night show at midnight in a cafeteria or you know, a two-week main stage opposite, you know, where you're like, you know, the waiter and Tony Shalhoub is the star or yeah, whatever, they, you know, things like that. Yeah, big stars there. Yeah, incredible. And, and I, you and Chris Kugel, I met him there, too. That's Kat's right. our musical director for Beetlejuice. Yeah. Because uh, were you working with him there or did you meet him there? I met him there. They have this amazing thing, a program called the Cabaret where, yes, you know. Yes, that's what I did. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, no, 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 you. Please. No, 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 you. <laughs> Well, okay. So a couple times a year, they take the performers, whether they're apprentices or whether it's Tony Shalhoub, and, mm -hmm. and they do these concerts, and, and it's like a cabaret concert, and they're really fun, and everyone attends, and it's incredibly democratic, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and like people just perform songs and skits and things like that, and uh, it's one of the highlights of the summer up there. How often were you there? Uh, I went for like six years. I was a directing assistant the first year, and then I was a directing fellow, which means you get sort of like you focus on a single project. But then after that, worked on individual shows. I worked on a show called Peter and the Starcatcher, which we sure. developed in a log cabin there. Blay Blay Andrew Jackson <gasps> started in one of the cafeterias there. Um, and uh, and then the, we, we were there for with Here Lies Love, which was this like disco musical with uh, music by David Byrne about Imelda Marcos. And then I did a, uh, a play there uh, by Christopher Durang. Wow, I can't believe they all started in Williamstown. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, but so many musicals, right, and plays have started there, so it's incredible. Um, are, can you think of any other places like that that people should know about? Because I know Vassar has... Vassar, New York Stage and Film is amazing. Uh, there's a Berkshire Theater Festival. Oh, right. But one of the things that I always think are, are great that I don't think people think of as frequently are in the city, there are places, you know, if you're first starting out here, there are these like um, writer groups at places like Ars Nova or Ensemble Studio Theater where you where they're constantly doing readings of, you know, just trying to hear work aloud. Um, and it's a great opportunity to to get to meet like amazing playwrights and amazing directors. I think one of the things I realize at Manhattan Theater Club is that so much of the work, you know, no one, no one's asking you to, to direct or act in or design check off at age 25. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, mm -hmm. uh, that really the lifeblood as you're, you know, young performers starting out is new work. Yes. It, and it, that's not true necessarily in everywhere in America, you know, you're doing, 12 Angry Men, or you're doing The Crucible, or things like that. It's it's more a sort of revival-based, you know, outside. But New York, really, the, a lot of the opportunities for young people are in New York. So to meet playwrights, to meet directors that are your peers, um, that's really the stuff that's going to be foundational in terms of, uh, you know, getting to, getting to do things. You know? Do they have auditions for those writers groups? Like, do you use actors for them? I know, I you know, one of the healthiest ones I remember was Ensemble C Theater, where it just felt like there was kind of like a collective where people just sort of I showed up. No, I yeah. auditioned for yeah. EST. I did a um, in their marathon of plays, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so they did have auditions for them. So I guess. But I'm talking about even something that's right, like before. even like yeah. kind of like more like roll that's your sleeves really, up. Yeah, that's really great. Like place. they used to have like brunches on Sundays where people would just read plays. And you know, there's the the Bats at the Flea, which is a young sort of like uh, acting company. I, I think there are just like a lot of cool ways to get your foot in the door that aren't the same as just auditioning for Broadway. That's really great advice. Didn't Abe come from something like avant-garde? Abe Goldfarb, yeah, so he's in Beetlejuice. He's amazing. He come, I think he's from like the burlesque world. Right. Yeah, so he hosts uh, burlesque and he's always just been incredibly funny. I think he's always dreamed of being on Broadway. Yes, uh, yeah. But you wouldn't know it as he, he no. his, his character is called Bastard <laughs> Keith or something like that. And he's like, you know, introducing burlesque performers. Um, and, uh, but but yeah, and we've, you know, th this is also, uh, you know, I, I think a thing that's helpful to hear for, uh, you know, performers that are starting out. Abe auditioned for me for like five different shows. And I always loved him. I always was like, we should call on this guy, Abe Goldfarb. Have you ever heard of this guy, Abe Goldfarb? I just knew he had a similar sensibility. And then it wasn't until Beetlejuice that we finally, you know, and it was the best job I could offer him because it was a Broadway job. Everything mm -hmm. else had been off Broadway or, you know, a smaller, you're out of town gig. And so, but Abe was just wonderful and persistent and didn't feel like deterred by the fact that I had, you know, I'd call him back, but I wouldn't quite cast him. And, you know, and then finally, you know, we found the perfect marriage. Kevin Delagula, who you know well, who's, uh, he was the writer of Alter Boys and he's in Peter and the Starcatcher and Love's Labor's Lost. He's in Frozen right now. He was someone who, you know, we had like six things we almost, you know, almost mm -hmm. cast. And then, then in rapid succession on the seventh did six actual shows together, you know? Wow. I, so it's just the, you know, figuring out that kind of that moment that's the right thing. And then that's so, a great reminder because you could get into the headset like, Oh, oh I always go, like yes, yeah. I always go up for Alex Timbers. I always get to the final callback and then I don't get right, it. Right. So here you go again. But, don't think that way. <laughs> no, no, no. If you're getting called back by the same director over and over again, that's actually a really of good course. sign. That's encouraging. Yeah. 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 Um, I was lucky enough to sit in on our callbacks yes. for my new husband in the show in Beetlejuice. And Alex was so generous to let me uh, sit in and do chemistry tests with the actors reading. It was so wonderful that you wanted to do that. Thank you. It was a great experience. Um, what do you feel like actors, what do you feel like is the best thing they can do or, and the worst thing that they could do when they come into an, a room for an audition? I think that what's so wonderful is like you're casting an actor not only based on their talent, but also who they are, right. you know? And so I think being as authentic as possible is great. Uh, and, you know, not being afraid to have an approach or a take to the material. Um, I would say that the, 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 like to me, like a, a great, so, so as a director, you're seeing, you know, maybe 60 people in a day and, uh, you set the creative team's mind so much at ease. If, if you as a performer can go to yourself, direct your own program before you go in you say, okay, I know I'm going to sing first. I want to sing first and then I'm going to act. And so, okay, when I go in the room, I'm going to put my thing down. I'm going to talk to them, say hi to everyone. I'm going to put the thing down, the music director. I'm going to do the, so, so the, 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 th when the performer just takes the audition into their own hands, it's great. Instead of being like, so what do you want me to do? It's right. like, you go over to the piano, you put your thing down. I'm going to be singing this or don't tell them what you're going to do. Whatever you want to do. You sing it. You, you know what side you want to do and you do that. So I think the more like the, having that, that confidence, that conviction of like the audition I've prepared is the audition I'm going to give you. And then I'm open to feedback, I think is great. 
that's uh-huh. that to me is th- that sort of sense of uh, self-direction and confidence is really good. Uh-huh. Yeah. What mistakes have you seen people make? Um, that's a good question. I think I think like taking material. Can I say some like really like sort of nitpicky yes, things? Yes, please. I think it's always like, uh, or at least how about this? I've worked with collaborators who bump on this more than I do, mm-hmm. but it, I think it's worth saying because obviously it matters to some people. When some people take songs or material directly to the creative team table, like uh, you know, look people in the eye as they're singing. It makes people uncomfortable. Uh-huh. That's um, a really good point. When people bring uh, excessive number of props, where it like you know sometimes having a clever that. prop can yes. be can be fun and delightful. Because I also thought the people using the, the crib, I liked that yeah. the chair as the crib. Oh, use, yeah, using the furniture like if there's a cube or a chair is always clever, always inventive. Creating everything with your mind is inventive. Some people that will come in like carrot top with like <laughs> eighteen different things, like uh, you know, I, uh, George Salazar, who I love, we. Both love we we cast him based on this so this is maybe not a good example but <laughs> he brought in for one audition he, I guess Beetlejuice has a moment with some cocaine dr- it's okay oh, to say this yes, right yes yes uh, and he brought in a whole uh, thing where he pulled out of his jacket a giant baggie of like flour and it exploded everywhere <laughs> and then we had to spend like 15 minutes cleaning up the audition room after he left before the next person came. that's like not a good a good thing to do but he got but, the job right? yeah but I remember talking to Lynn Aarons once uh, the the lyricist and she talked about how she was at some audition and someone had a prop this is an extreme example but uh, the scene called for someone wielding a knife and the person pulled out a knife. Oh. And that was very scary. Mm-hmm. And I think wow. that that's a thing to avoid. That okay. ki- That's what I mean by the like kind of like, uh, you know, looking people in the eye, pulling out too much, you know, just it, it can feel a little com- confrontational. I think the more you can use the, the magic of your imagination, I think is really good as a performer in those situations. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So don't bring in a real knife. What if they brought in an obviously fake knife? Um, Just yeah. don't bring pop, props, you think? I don't think props. I definitely wouldn't bring weapons, <laughs> specifically, <laughs> sure. or things that represent weapons. Um, I think... Uh, also, you know, sometimes I'll ask a performer, hey, do, you know, uh, do you have any questions before you begin? And I'm always happy to answer questions if they do. But I also love it when they're like, no, I'm just going to show you what I prepared. Uh-huh. You know, I think it's great when someone's like, I've made a bunch of choices and some of them might be really strong choices that you might, you know, but I, I'd like to show you what 
you know, what I've worked on. I think that's great. That's what I usually do. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I figure, yeah, I can get direction. Um, how important is memorization? Uh, memorization is less important than people think. I think hmm. people are always like, you know, I want to be more off book. And, you know, I think just as long as you feel really comfortable with the material to have a little cheat sheet in your hand, I think is great. Uh, sometimes people, you know, will try to go through a, 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 a side of a, a, of a song, you know, particularly if it's material we gave you um, for the audition. And they'll go through it twice or three times and they'll script a lyric and they'll be like, yeah. can we start again? It's totally cool to hold it. I mean, the, what, the thing that's mostly yes. being adjudicated during the singing portion is like singing abilities. I think by the time you get to callbacks, I think it would be it's better to be more off book. If it's new material that you're just receiving for that, less important to be off book. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think if, that, if that's useful. Yeah. And I felt like being in the room with you when you make a mistake if you just own it and don't freak out, totally. then it almost makes you more endearing. Yeah, here's the number one, most, maybe the most important thing I can say, is that the people in the audition room want you, the actors, to succeed. Mm -hmm. That is so important. You, you make no one happier if we're like, oh my God, we just found our Barbara Maitland. Yes. You know? So no one's in there being like, oh gosh, this per you know, every, I go into pitch meetings as a director, which is my version of auditioning, and I constantly am worried, oh, I'm not gonna be judged, or they're thinking that's a stupid idea or whatever. No, I mean, they, I, I think what's really happening is they're like, we're excited about this person, that's why we brought them in. Boy, wouldn't it be great if they were the perfect person and knocked us out of the park with, you know, their their approach or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and that's 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 very that's how I feel every day mm -hmm. when I'm in an audition room. What happens after we leave? What is the collaboration like with everybody? Like, who makes the final decision? Do you guys talk about us? <laughs> That's a that's a great point. Usually, you don't really talk about people after right after they leave. It's usually at the end of the at the end of the day, uh, you'll have the sort of casting sheet in front of you that the casting director's prepared, and you'll have all the names and headshots, and you'll just go through people individually. I've worked on shows where the most important voice in the room is the director. I've worked in shows where the most important voice in the room is the composer. Or the music director, or the you know it depends. Oh. It depends on the dynamic of the group. Sometimes it's it's uh, you know uh, like a producing entity, you know. Uh, so it, it just it shifts based on the show. A lot of times you're just sort of you know after a first round you're just saying who feels kind of in the world, mm -hmm. and so you're like let's keep the four to six most people that that and and let's see them again. Yeah, because when I was in that audition, I didn't even know how you could pick people because everyone was so good. Everyone was so good, particularly the one when the auditions you're talking about. Everyone yeah. was absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, you sort of you're 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 asking those questions about you, you know you're because you're imagining as the you know this is probably self-evident, but if you have multiple sides for a show, usually one you know if it's a musical comedy, one scene is highlighting. The comedy, when other scenes highlighting the emotional depth, you know, right. so it's also okay, by the way, in those situations to then push into the comedy and that one side push it, you know, you know what people are looking for based on what the side is. So to just kind of kick the tires on each end of that to say, yes, I can do this and I can also do this. And then I, you'll see me do this other thing in the song. And, That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So you can go really far just to show them that you can do it. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because each one of those sides is really thoughtfully chosen, mm -hmm. you know, to, to highlight a color 
that exists throughout the show of a character. So not only is Alex Timbers an amazing director of all of those shows that we both mentioned, uh, he is also one of the nicest people in the industry. When you go into audition for Alex Timbers, he gets up from behind the table, comes around, mm -hmm. shakes your hand, just immediately puts you at ease. And I know that being nice was important to you even for casting um, the people Yes. Well, one of I read a study like a, a long time ago that it said that, you know, if you in any situation, if you shake someone's hand and they make physical contact, that it makes someone much more comfortable. Oh. So it always felt to me that you're going to get the best audition out of someone if they if you shake someone's hand and they you, you build a human connection. And uh, I know it works for me when I go into like a meeting with someone I don't know. So yeah, so that's a th the only time I wouldn't shake someone's hand if I was sick, you uh -huh, know, right. and then I wouldn't want to make someone else sick. But yeah, I, that's really important to me to feel like it's a, it's a space where everyone feels safe to do their best work and to feel really comfortable and trying things. And cause you know, in an audition, you know, often with then giving them direct, you can ask them to try crazy. Sometimes I feel insecure in a audition saying, asking someone to try something really? where I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Sometimes, you know, also in early auditions for uh, a show that maybe you haven't directed before, you're just asking people to try things because you're curious if that would be a good choice, you know? So it's it's not necessarily about like only adjudicating are they right for the role. You're like playing around together. So that, that can be fun. But I think creating a, a really comfortable work environment where everyone feels valued uh, is really important and I think particularly as you're putting together a company and or if you're replacing someone in a company where the company is really a warm and loving group like Beetlejuice the the um, knowing the kind of um, the, the 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 energy that you're bringing into the theater is really and the collaborative energy because to replace is very 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 hard yes. right because you're oh, stepping yeah. into something there's some things exist some things you can, you're navigating there are people that have relationships backstage that you know, you're having to do it very quickly. It's just, it's so tough. Building and, the chemistry, yeah. Oh yeah, so you really want someone who's just gonna jump right in, gets what it is, is so, uh, and is just gonna be a great team player. And um, certainly David Josephsberg has been that. He's just been wonderful. Yeah. So so it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. And so I think you're particularly looking to identify those qualities in that kind of a search. How do you stay so nice? Because being a director is so hard, and I've never seen you raise your voice. Do you meditate? <laughs> I mean, it's so it's such a stressful yeah. job, yeah. especially for a huge musical like Beetlejuice. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think that I appear a lot more calm than I am. It's like a lot of people are like, you're so chill. Like yeah. that thing just broke. That's like a real disaster <laughs> for us. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not chill. That's, that's amazing that that's what I'm giving off. Uh, so maybe that's a really like a studied calm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just I always feel like, you know, when you're doing something like Beetlejuice where there's so many creative swings, um, if you don't create an environment from the top down where everyone feels comfortable to throw out ideas or to mm -hmm. fail like um and and you know that classic thing like the best idea might come from the most unlikely person on the team oh. uh you know it, i think we i think it would have been a the show would not been be allowed to be as good as it is because ideas would have been 
stifled. One of the things that I found the, the most inspiring, uh, you know, like parts of my life as a as a as a theater director. Um, uh, that's a weird way to word this, but but what post uh, DC when we did uh, Beetlejuice down there, which we put on a show we all loved, and and I, I you know the critical feedback wasn't at all what we sort of had hoped for, and we all sort of as a group had to say, okay, we're gonna like we love the show, we're doing it in New York, let's try everything to like make it everything we want it to be, and and so what was wonderful was you know the the writers you know, set about certain goals, the designers set about certain goals, and the acting company did too. You guys all said, okay, so here's where Barbara Maitland is now. We're gonna sort of slightly recalibrate Barbara Maitland this way. Here's how that's gonna be reflected in the script. Here's how it's gonna be reflected in design. Here's how I want it to be reflected in my performance, et cetera. And it was just like wonderful. And if we had a like a really like divisive, you know, like mm. sharp elbowed team, whether that's the creative team or whether that's the acting company, that work wouldn't have gotten done. It would have all been like highly litigated. It would have been a lot of like pointing fingers. Well, I feel like people feel that because of this. Everyone was like, okay, I get where yes. we are. I get where we got to go and let's all do it. And, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, the it's that was a really successful process, but it was also a really inspiring process to feel like, oh, this can happen. This can happen. Yeah, we can all make a thing on together. Board. Yeah. And, and that's a great point because... So many times you're in the room, and I think we should talk about this just to give people an idea of what not to do. You know, you're in the room, the rehearsal room, and there are those people that <laughs> make it difficult. You know, like my pet peeve is when someone makes the whole show about them yeah. and constantly questions every single thing the director gives them. Sure. That drives me bananas. Yeah. I'm like, your job as the actor is to make it work. Then make it work as, as well as you can, and then if you can't make it work, then they'll see that, and they'll say, oh, I see that that beat is, we need to rewrite that whole section because it's not working. But find your own justification in your head to make it work when they ask you to do something. That's exactly right. I mean, I think one of the, the best uh, training, and, and, you know, and it's, so, it's become very popular in the last 20 years, is improv, because it really teaches you that skill of yes and. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the director might ask you a crazy thing or the writer might say, could you try this? It's so much better to try it and for it not to work or for you all to come up with a third solution instead than to just right off the bat cut an idea off at its knees. Because it means also that in the future, people are going to be afraid to come to you That's with right. their thoughts, you yeah. know? Um, so I, I think that's, uh, it's a really important thing you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other, uh, pet peeves in the rehearsal room? Um, I think that, I think just the, the willingness to explore is important. I think the willingness for everyone to feel like they can say they don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Like there'd be so many, t I've worked with people and I've assisted people where you, see them and say like they have to say yeah you know someone says is it this or is it this and you say yes or no it's this or that. I, I i in the first week of rehearsal i'm not sure i i know that often i think we're all kind of on a on a journey together to figure it out um what i love uh and i feel very lucky uh you know uh on beetlejuice and moulin rouge on both those shows to get to work with actors who are so creative and intelligent and imaginative that the process of figuring things out together is really uh, exciting to come in and be like, I know I've got this like crackerjack team of performers and writers around me uh, and 
and uh, and together we as a group are going to figure out what this moment is and what it needs to be and if we're not and, you know and that that's that's cool to not quite know at the beginning and then to know to feel confident that we'll all figure we'll it out it. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much. I'm so thankful that you took time out of your incredibly busy schedule to be with us on our little podcast. Do you have anything that you would like to plug? <laughs> no, you know, maybe, can I say one more thing, yes. though? Is that okay? Yes. I, you know, one of the reasons that I founded this theater company when I was 22 was that, as I said, I was looking around and I, and I sort of felt there was this, like, um, the people that were getting work, at least as directors, were much older than me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how am I gonna get, ever get to direct? So what I did was I founded my theater company in order to give, to hire myself. And I just think that that's such an important empowering tool for actors to know about that, you, you know, whether you're in New York or anywhere, you can just make your own work. Mm-hmm. You can give yourself the opportunity, you can make your own theater company, you can say, I want to play uh, Conrad Birdie. I'm going to like create a production of Bye Bye Birdie where I can play Conrad Birdie, you know? Um, and I think it's really, I think that's important to know that the agency isn't entirely in these people that, you know, exist in the, you know, backstage classifieds or, you know, whatever yes. that is. The power exists within you. Yes. And, um, and that's, you know, and you look at someone like a Abe Goldfarb, where we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, he, uh, you know, he didn't, audition for three years for Broadway and then give up and say, well, I'll never perform again. He just went and made his own world in burlesque and comedy. And then eventually now he's on like, he's on Broadway. He's, <laughs> he's in a Broadway musical. It's, it's incredible. And, and, uh, and, and I just think you can, you make your own path. You yeah. Know? That's incredible advice. I always say that too, like work begets work. So yeah. just make it, make your own cabaret, do whatever it is. My grandfather used to say, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I, oh, I've always loved that. Yeah. 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 On that note, thank you so much, Alex. Thank Tim. you. I always loved having you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Breaking Broadway, produced by Broadway Podcast Network. Opening song by Aaron Accurso and Joey Mazzarino. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, please like, leave a comment, or share with your friends. See you next time for more insider tips to making it on Broadway. Together you and I are breaking Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.